Hello and welcome to Module 3 of Global Solutions. Module 3 is called Gods and Demons. And that is because I wanted to highlight the fact of how we live in the developed world and what consequences this has for the rest of the world. And by doing so, we will examine, expose the underlying paradigm of the modern world, particularly putting our attention on consumption. So if you go through the slide presentation, you'll see that we're connected through to many links that gives us an overview of the current situation. But generally speaking, what does the title mean? Well, in a way, how we live in the developed world is like gods in comparison to people of earlier centuries. It wasn't that long ago that you'd be living in a world where the only light was fire. They had no electricity, no computers, no one had rooms to themselves, very limited education, if any, and almost no choice over your future or who you would marry. This is going back a couple of hundred years, way back then to the origins of civilization seven to 10,000 years ago. So for that entire time, for the vast majority of humanity, that's what the situation was. It's been called a world lit only by fire. So life expectancy was a lot lower. Uh, you were subject to the ravages of disease at any time. And you lived in a much more violent world. Although people might think that violence is greater in the modern world, it's not actually the case. Through history, although there are periods of peace, there are many, many occasions where entire civilizations, towns, populations would be wiped out by war and pestilence and disease and so on. It wasn't rare event at all. And violence was at a much, much higher level. And you, many people, would be required to uh, be a part of those wars because you're in a condition of what's called serfdom. Serfdom is a condition of debt bondage and indentured servitude with obvious similarities to slavery. For a very, very long time, it was only about 3% of the population were part of the nobility or the monarchies. The rest were what we refer to as serfs or peasants, the common people. So this was the situation for the common people. Now, if you take what production there was for those common people, what they produced, how long it took them, and what they consumed each individual, there is no comparison whatsoever to the post-industrial world. We as an individual in the modern era consume a vast amount compared to a single person at any other time in history. So in so many ways, in a developed world, 
if you are born into a developed world and you live in the wealthier nations of the world, the high productivity nations of the world, your lives are superior to the lives of everyone who's come before you in so many different ways. Now, I know that, you know, you can argue that maybe there was greater harmony with the environment. Maybe there was uh, being in touch with nature more or less mental stress. So there are other metrics you can measure where maybe you would say you would prefer to be living in those times. I have to say personally that I think that for the most part, if one really had a clear picture of what life was like through most of those eras, I don't think you would choose it, honestly. A simple fact that you may not even survive childhood. There's a pretty strong chance that you wouldn't. And even if you did, that you wouldn't live long. The average is around 40 years for everyone. Uh, so if you consider that that's the mean of 40 years, that means a very large percentage of people don't get to live even 40 years. So that in itself is a reason why you might prefer to uh, be born into the modern era. I think another big one would be the choice, simple fact of choice. It's hard for us to imagine, I think, what living in a world would be like where you have no choice. <laughs> and I mean that in terms of not having any choice. You would be born into, like I said, serfdom or basically into peasantry whereby, in effect, you are more or less the property of your lord during the feudal era. So your choices over what you could do were non-existent. You would follow in the steps of your family, probably into farming or some craft. You could be a tanner, like my ancestors, a cobbler, a miller, uh, which is why so many of us have those trade names you would do that on behalf of your family. If you were a male, if you were a female, maybe you would do some farming, but mostly you would be basically being a housewife and married and raising children and a lot of them as well. Because one of the uh, metrics of less well-off society is that reproduction is a lot higher. One of the reasons for that is because uh, children don't survive very long. And actually, another reason for that is because you'll need your children uh, to work and also later on to be uh, looking after you. You would find yourself at a very young age being married uh, with children and either a housewife or doing labor in the fields or elsewhere. So the idea of getting an education and any sense in which you can choose your future is a modern idea. That's not how it was for the most of human civilization. It's a modern idea, the idea of getting an education, developing your full potential and choosing a path forward. It really is a product of modern society that there is this space, this room in order to make choices for ourselves, receive an education decide what we want to do, what skills we want to acquire, what life we want to live, what partner we choose for ourselves, how many children we have, where we live, where we travel. 
if you think about it, it's a vast difference in terms of the ability to make these choices compared to how life was uh, up until very recently, really. So that's why on the one hand, we can say we live like gods, because even a monarch of those ages would not be consuming as much as a modern individual, not even a king or queen or prince and so on would be consuming as much as a modern individual. The one thing they would be consuming is wood uh, because of, of wars. So definitely consumption go up during times of war. Um, one of the reasons why there's no forests in Britain is because they were all chopped down to build ships by Henry VIII. That is a factor for sure. But generally speaking, you're consuming more than a king or a queen of the Middle Ages. So that's why we are living like gods. But then what is the demon side of the equation? Well, as part of that modern life, what is enabling that to happen is the fact that we went through agricultural revolution and then an industrial revolution. The agricultural revolution meant that one person or a small group of people could produce 10 times more food than before. So when you are able to use less labor to produce a lot more food, one of the consequences of that is a greater freedom of time. Same for the industrial revolution which again increases human productivity even more. If you go through the different connections, if you see the slide for uh, productivity through history, you'll see that for a couple of thousand years, it's literally a flat line close to the bottom of the graph. Human productivity in terms of the amount that we make hardly moved at all for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's only after the agricultural revolution and then the industrial revolution, particularly, that productivity goes up, as in the amount that an individual produces goes up. And then it goes up a lot, and then it goes up even more, and then you'll see it's a line just shooting up, almost straight up, over a very short period of time. That line, that productivity, that is the key. Without that, everything else disappears. The modern world disappears, social revolutions disappear, books disappear, education disappears, everything disappears. Our whole world is based on that productivity, the modern world, the fact that we can travel, make choices, drive cars. Maybe the connection is not obvious at first, but when we delve into it, of course, it becomes very clear. It's interesting, and it's something that we really do have to grapple with, is that all the modern freedoms that we enjoy, that we take for granted, I'd say, or not, but mostly we do. I would think that most of us think that it's our right to have an education. It's our right to be able to live where we want to live, to do the job that we want to do, to marry who we want to marry, we now think of those things as fundamental to how we live and as our rights. But of course, all of them are dependent on that productivity. That's the other side of living like gods. You can only live like gods if you have that productivity supporting it, supporting the lifestyle, 
supporting the freedom of choice and all the other freedoms we've talked about. What is the demon side of the equation? Well, I think you can guess what it is. If we look at that productivity line, it's pretty much flat through most of human history, and then it shoots up and becomes a straight line going up. So the demon side of the equation is that there's a cost to that productivity. First, the agricultural revolution and then the industrial revolution leads to a population explosion. Once you have higher food production in any system and higher energy input, which of course came through first coal and uh, then developing other forms of energy and then getting to oil, you are able to release this vast amount of energy suddenly. And then you have a lot more food. Then you can turn your attention to producing other things. And that means then you build factories and processes that produce all sorts of goods, thousands and thousands and thousands of different kinds of goods. Then we have the idea of economic growth. Economic growth being that we need to increase our productivity all the time. And that is the current model, that productivity needs to go up. It should never be static. Each economy in the world, such as the US, the UK, Europe, EU, and others, and China and elsewhere, the paradigm to which they work is that every year is to seek higher productivity. And that is the basis of wealth generation. The product can be a actual product, like a car, a fridge, uh, a lamp, or whatever, or a service. But even if it's a service, the service will depend on products as well to support it. So whatever it is, the idea is, the paradigm is that we need more and more and more productivity. That is the foundation of a modern economy. And of course, that's the whole idea of GDP, gross domestic product, the total amount produced by a country every year. And everyone is seeking for that to go up so that there's more wealth generation, which basically means there's lots more transactions going on within the economy, which are generating wealth. But of course, where has that brought us? Well, it's brought us into the world of overconsumption and the unsustainable use of the Earth's resources. If we ha could have this modern world with only one billion people in the world, then may well be a lot, a lot closer to the sustainable use of resources. But at seven billion, we're already consuming well beyond what the planet could manage. And of course, the population will peak around nine billion before it starts to decline. All the population models show that after 9 billion, contrary to maybe many people's expectations, um, population in the world will start declining again, which has its own set of, of challenges, actually. We are in the demon side of the equation now, which is that our freedom, our godlike life, depends on this demonic engine of overconsumption and the unsustainable use of the world's resources. And rather than fully recognize that and say, okay, 
maybe we should now change the model because this idea of ongoing and increasing productivity all the time, which depends on higher and higher levels of use of natural resources, is destroying the Earth, our planet. That's not actually happened yet. Obviously, there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of conversation. There is sustainability models and the push for sustainability. But the thing I think is really important to understand is the fundamental paradigm has not changed. So that is why we're looking at this, because that fundamental paradigm is really the paradigm that has driven what we've been looking at previously in week one and week two, and particularly in week two as regards to the state of the planet. We examined the meat industry and saw how destructive it was, how bad for the climate it was, how polluting it is. It's not even great for human health in some ways, although of course um, it is protein. Meat production is going up, it's not going down. One of the reasons for that is that as people have come out of poverty in Asian nations, particularly China, they have elected to consume more meat, particularly pork, which is why pork production in Iowa is higher and going higher and is supported by Chinese investment because the pork goes to China because the demand for China is incredibly high and going up. So on the one hand, it's great that so many people are coming out of poverty in China. On the other hand, that's pushing consumption and consumption of poor consumption of the world's resources that are even higher rate. Now, of course, China or other nations, when they are told that they have to rein in all these things, they can certainly look across the globe at the Britain and Europe and America and say, whoa, hang on a minute. You guys did all this. No one complained to you and no one told you to rein it all in and look to yourselves. But now you're telling us that whilst, you know, we're just trying to grow and get up to the same level and so on. So there's a little bit of that for sure. But on the other hand, in a way, that argument doesn't matter at all. <laughs> because the simple fact is that we are destroying the planet at the moment because of this incredible level of destruction of natural resources. So everything that we've looked at connects back to that. Biodiversity loss and everything else connects back to that consumption. And yet that consumption and productivity is part of what gives us the lifestyle that we have. It's an interesting one to crack. The underlying paradigm, progress. Progress in terms of the development of our lifestyle, the fact that we live a lot longer, that we get an education, all the good things that we were talking about depends on that productivity and that productivity needs consumption. So consumption is basically goes hand in hand with productivity because you need consumers for the products. And of course, there's been a very rapid population growth. Um, so there's a lot more consumers in the world. And of course, consumption is promoted. We're bombarded with commercials, advertisements, aspirational material that even though we live like a god compared to other nations in the world and other people in 
history, we're made to feel that it's not enough, <laughs> right? Even if we have enough to eat, transport and somewhere to live. But is it the right kind of transport? Is the car good enough? Is the house big enough? Is the location is really heavy leaning, if you think about it, and everything that we're exposed to is to pump up that desire for higher levels of consumption, which is combined with aspiration and status and status anxiety and so on. We are not really in the business of challenging that paradigm or questioning the consumption and thinking about you know, the fact that we cannot allow this engine of consumption and the destruction of natural resources at an unsustainable rate to carry on. The world cannot cope with the consequences. The materials used by the global economy has quadrupled since 1970, far faster than the population, which has doubled. And that's right there is a fact that tells you that people are living with more products and, and goods and so on and consuming than even they were in 1970. In the last two years, consumption has jumped more than 8%, but the reuse of resources has fallen from 9.1% to 8.6%, though. So this information comes from the Guardian newspaper. The amount of material consumed by humanity has passed 100 billion tons every year, with a smaller proportion being recycled. So contrary to what we might think, that there's a recycling revolution going on, uh, that's not actually the case. Um, I'm afraid we have many things on the fringe fringes. We have some form of recycling. We certainly have models of sustainability being promoted. It's part of the conversation. It's part of the models that some people are using. There's a pull in that direction and a push in that direction. But the main engine, the real locomotive, is chugging along like it always has. And it's going faster and consuming more resources faster and faster. We have a massive job to do to change that situation. Not only is it the case that we are consuming beyond what the earth can cope with, but the consumption is unequal. There are substantial consumption inequalities. Inequalities and consumption are stark in the world. Globally, the 20% of the world's people in the highest income countries account for 86% of total private consumption expenditures. The richest fifth consume 58% of total energy, the poorest fifth less than 4%. So do have a look at these figures that come from the UN. The world's richest countries consume on average 10 times as many materials as the poorest countries. It is grossly unequal. Many of the world's population hardly see a peep of these resources. When you're looking into this and you're going through the slides and it's all there in terms of what I'm talking about, think about this. As you analyze not only the consumption, but the consumption inequalities, Remember the freedom connection, the liberty connection to productivity. So if we are to ask ourselves, well, why are human rights maybe 
not so great in many nations of the world? Why is choice so limited? Why is there so much poverty? Why do children get less education or basically not the opportunity to choose their future or even who they marry? And so many different metrics, pollution, access to sanitation and water, we can see the situation is very challenging, very much lacking development and not providing opportunity for vast amounts of the human population. You can also make the connection to productivity. We want a large portion of the world to be better off, not to be in poverty, to have more access to food, more access to resources, clean water, the chance for education, even the chance to have a fridge, drive a car, live in a nice house. Why would we deny them all the things that we enjoy? We wouldn't, and we shouldn't. But at the same time, think of this. We already know from previously looking into it that half of the world population, more or less, is in poverty. So say we take half of the world's population and we take them out of poverty and suddenly they are able to consume as much as we are. Well, that would be great in the sense of greater choice, greater freedoms, all the good stuff that we consume every day without hardly thinking about it, including vast quantities of energy that we use even to run all the electronic devices that we have and, and so on, charge our mobile phones and so on. Well, we know what the consequences on the other side of the equation would be. It would be a disaster for the Earth because uh, consumption would go up to 200 billion tons, not 100 billion. This is the big fact here, the really big thing to think about. We don't have an Earth that can sustain the other half of the human population consuming what we consume. So how are we going to fix that? And I think where that leads us is to think, well, then we have to look at the fundamental paradigm and challenge it, question it, redesign it. And that is a huge undertaking, but it's a vital undertaking. We surely can't argue that half the population of the world should stay in poverty and not increase their consumption and productivity and therefore, you know, be denied all the things that we consume every day. So how can we get them to be able to consume the amount of energy that we do without actually speeding up climate change, using even more fossil fuel, or even using vast amounts of minerals, even everything that we produce uh, uses resources. So how are we going to fix all this? Well, that's a question we can examine and think about. Um, but we have to think about something pretty radical in order to bring about balance. And the balance we're seeking is a balance of using the world's resources in a sustainable manner and consumption of those resources, which is more equal to address the fundamental inequalities in the world in regard to the consumptions of the Earth's resources. Because in a sense, if you think of humanity as one group, 
and we all live on one planet, then this is everybody's planet. There may be lines drawn between nations and peoples and so on, and different continents have oceans between them, but we only have the one planet and we are humanity and we all share it. Okay, well, <laughs> that's quite a lot to chew over and have a think about. So do go through all the slides, have a look. And then, you know, there's uh, some interesting films at the end. All very interesting, so do have a look. Okay, um, good. So uh, that's the podcast to go with Module 3. That's great. Examine it all and take on the challenge of the forum and the assignment. And then do join in the webinar. Okay, that's it for now.